Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Wes, my man, welcome back. How are you doing today? Good, Chris. How are you? Man, come on now. We do this every time. I'm always good. <laughs> I'm always good too. There's nothing like a, a sunny day and making money. That's right. That's right. Any day that ends in Y, my man. So yesterday I gave you a call, right? And I, I think that... You know, <laughs> I, mean, I guess that was just me venting throughout my day of the things that I had to accomplish with some of these trade schools. And, you know, over the past year, as you know, I've landed some huge contracts with that are nationally accredited with some trade schools. And a part of my responsibility is to hold, you know, biweekly trainings with the VP of sales and other supporting departments, financial aid, directors of missions, yada, yada, yada. Well, just like any other business, I have to do check-ins and go over KPIs with them and identify potential opportunities to help them streamline daily operations, operating procedures, protocol. Reason why I bring this up with you is because we had a similar conversation yesterday and I thought it went perfect with where we're going in the direction of the podcast. And you know, I know that you know this. Just trying to give the listeners a little bit more in detail about what we do and what I do specifically with these companies. But the biggest thing that stuck out to me yesterday, the problems that they're having still, I have no idea. They keep blaming it on marketing. You've ever heard companies just blame it on the marketing or directors blame it on marketing why the quality of lead sucks and they can't get their salespeople to enroll students or sell? Always. It's like, uh, let's blame, let's always blame the buyer. Let's, let's never look at ourselves. So yeah, I, I see it all the time. Why do you think that's such a big thing for people? They blame it on the marketing. I mean, that's the first thing a salesperson says to me, the leads suck. The leads don't always suck. It's just you suck. <laughs> you know? Right. It's your approach. Yeah. And that's, and that's how... A lot of the time, that's what it is. It's like it's uh, it's too hard to look in the mirror, right? It's for it's too hard to put the responsibility on oneself, right? So it's it's much easier to say the lead sucks or the quality of lead sucks, um, and instead of saying, well, you know, maybe I'm not doing the best job that I possibly can, right? It's just ownership. I mean, any way you look at it, I had a director yesterday tell me that. You know, here's the calls that we had, and here's some of the things that we're having problems with because I rewrote the scripts for the, everybody. The first day into you know that contract, the first thing I needed to do is try to figure out 
who is who, what are we selling? Why are we selling it? How are we selling it? What does the script look like? I really don't like a lot of scripts because it's just an outline. We both know this. We agree to this point. But the, ba- the biggest thing to look out for for myself is to get an idea of a sales cycle. So why is a sales cycle so hard for them to kind of answer those questions? Why is it so difficult to explain the sales cycle as a leader? That's because, well, in most cases, a leader themselves doesn't even understand it. It's, you know, it, being able to, to give a salesperson, help them understand that process or that cycle is actually extremely important because it drives urgency as well. So when you're a leader and you're, try, you're focused on KPIs, being able to help them understand in what cycles they need to enroll is going to be essential for them to be able to actually drive that urgency during times in which they need to. Right. So in adopting a flexible and scalable sales process, would you agree that that's the most important thing to look at when you're a new manager or leader? Of course. In my opinion, the dynamic sales cycle and a more precise sales cycle you can define within your own organization will give a sales rep, any sales rep, a clear outcome they're searching for. Would you agree to that? I would. I mean, ultimately, and we, I know we've, we've talked about this a lot in previous podcasts or previous episodes. Um, and that is that, you know, when you have the end in mind or you understand the outcome, it's much easier for you to navigate. So it's kind of like a map, right? So your, your sales cycle or your sales process, that's the map, right? And it's, you know, A and B. You know, B is where you're trying to get to. A is where you are. The cycle is going to get you from A to B. Okay. So clear example of this would be a verifiable outcome, correct? Yeah, of course. So a nine to 10, you know, key transition points is usually the normal sweet spot for a salesperson to hit, to be able to, you know, increase their sales cycle. Sometimes it's keeping them on track with the customer's buying process as well, because there's two different processes or two different cycles. You have who's in control of the buying timeframe. Ideally, as a salesperson, you want to be in control of that. But are we really in control? Is a buyer usually in control? Or does that just go from the training with the director all the way down to the sales rep? It does. And here's the thing. There's many factors when it comes to that because some factors are also the customer's experience, right? So for me, I never truly look at it as far as the customer's buying timeframe. I look at it from the process buying timeframe, right? So it depends. You know, How well do you need to qualify this person? What is the product that you're selling? What is the barrier to entry? Okay, what is the, uh, how high of a commitment level does it need to be, right? So, you know, if I'm out there buying a chocolate bar, right, it's, that's, a, that's a very low commitment level versus me making an investment of $10,000, right? So what does that need to look like? What's the level of preparation that needs to happen, right? How well do I need to prepare the, the customer to be able to, to purchase, right? I, can, I could, you know, sell a customer in one day but now is there buyer remorse, buyer's remorse that comes with that? Is the customer not feel good? Are they not having a good experience? Or if I wait four or five days and I prepare them well for it, now they're going to truly enjoy being sold by me. Right? So it all, there's so many different factors. And, come, and, and from the customer standpoint, I look at it from the experience. And then uh, the same thing goes for you know, us as the salespeople as well. I mean, you're, you're bringing up something so valuable that anyone listening would make, be able to make an impact with any organization or any company or any sales team. But let's peel back the layers of that piece. What would be one successful trait? And you can name multiple, but what are some successful traits that truly set successful people apart from the rest of the pack, do you think? Uh, what I typically look for is going to be communication, uh, their amount of effort that they're going to put in. 
um, and their commitment. So their commitment to excellence is what I look for. Okay. So is talent involved with any of that? No, I, I'll take hard work over talent any day of the week. Perfect. And I'm glad that, you know, I asked that question because a lot of listeners are probably going to think these guys are fucking nuts. <laughs> and, and it's okay that we've we've heard this before. But a lot of people tell me being creative, having that creative mind and having, you know, coming up with different innovative ideas to help us, you know, come up with the right solution for a problem. All these are surely make a huge difference. In effective communication, I would agree with you. That's one huge trait that every successful person needs to freaking identify or develop. But one thing that truly sets successful people apart and they do really well from everybody else is they read a lot. How many books have you read on sales, do you think? I couldn't even tell you. I mean, it, it would go well into the triple digits at this point. But there's you got to be careful with that, though. There's modern day sales and there's traditional sales. Because if you're looking into a something sale and ABCs of closing and the feel, the felt, the found, all this bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. Somebody said that to me the other day. I was like, oh, wow. I started shaking my head. Yeah, it's like, come on, bro. Step your game up. But we are looking into all these old traditional sales techniques. And that's one of the major reasons why we make such a huge impact in the sales industry is that we're bringing something new and uncut to the marketplace that a lot of people don't understand. And it comes off a of consultive selling. I've heard a lot of different ways of being able to describe it. You can call it whatever the fuck you want. I call it by me having a normal conversation with you and then really trying to figure out what is in the best interest of you, of any product or service or whatever solution I'm trying to help you with. It doesn't really matter, but at the end of the day, it's, it's they have to trust you. That's the biggest thing you're trying to establish, correct? You know, you can we can coin it whatever we want. We can coin the term of how we sell however we want and and you know, call whatever process we want. So consultative selling, conversational sales, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but ultimately, you're right. It's about is the customer trust you? Where are they in the in the buying time frame and how committed are they to the actual conversation and interaction that they're having with you? All right, so that, and it goes back to going back to what you said about uh, salespeople and them, you know, reading and taking in information, you know, and that's where we find a lot of people, you know, a lot, and a lot of new salespeople. What I find is that, you know, they come in and they're expecting scripts, right? They think that getting a script and starting to talk about or being able to read line by line is going to do something for them, right? But ultimately is, are you taking enough information to be able to come up with your own way of being able to take that client or that customer throughout the entire buying process and making them trust you, keeping them at neutral and not spiking their fear and gaining their commitment. Right. Well said. How do you find out if you have a lot of different problems within a sales organization on their approach? How do you identify that? I look at the sales leader. That's the first person I'm going to look at. And I'm going to look at their philosophy and how they go about their interaction with their team. So we, we know this. It comes from the top down. Right. So if I'm going to look at where your problem areas are, I'm not looking at, you know, Joe, the salesman. I'm looking at John, the sales leader, right? So, and I'm going to look at how, what their behavior is like and what their philosophy is and, and how they, how they lead their team. And I'll be able to tell you everything about them based off of probably three questions that I can ask that sales leader. Mm -hmm. Harry S. Truman, I mentioned this in the call yesterday with you and, and also in the training that I did that not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And the more knowledge you, you can potentially gain in anything you do, and you know, of course, experience comes into play. 
but not just the experience, but you need to gain knowledge and be able to apply it to the workforce or be able to apply it game time. And I talked a lot about this before where I don't like to practice for practice. I practice for game time because I'm always in a game time situation. Is that something similar for you? It is. And and going back to what you said, it's, you know, experience is only as good as the experience, right? Because an experience could be a positive or a negative one. If you had, if you were a salesperson that had a shitty sales leader and they just taught you the feel found, whatever the hell it is, <laughs> right? <laughs> Method. And, and this is exactly how your sales call, you know, the sales call is going to go every single freaking time. You know, you're, you're not, that's, that's a terrible experience. Right. So experience doesn't say anything, but are you actively in, uh, engaging yourself and your mind in, in information that allows you to be able to grow and develop? Right. Uh, one of the things that jumps out to me when you said that, that feel, what is it called? I don't even know what the hell it's called. Feel, felt, found or some bullshit. Yeah, there you go. Yep, feel, that's felt, it. found. <laughs> I've been around sales too long, man. Feel, felt, found. Did you feel, felt, found? I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, I don't, I never understood that anyway, like spin selling, you know, which has been effective and you can, you can, you know, create arguments for how effective that's been to the force. But then again, it, for now and what I have to deal with, with, you know, compliance and being able to focus on the student winning or the buyer winning at all times, it, you're not going to really make a huge impact. But the first question to ask a salesperson, you mentioned this right at the beginning, is asking why are they even in this position? Why are you a salesperson? Why is always the simplest questions the most impactful? Do you think because it's it, it's open ended and it's putting it back on the person, All right? So you know if you ask me why now I have to really think about it. Right? It's not something that I can just uh, spring off the top of my tongue. It's something I have to sit back and think about. Remember I'd mentioned the CEO that I was going to consult with, and I you know I did land a contract. But here's the thing. I asked three questions, three, just three, and it blew his head off. Why are you a CEO? Why did you start this business? What is the purpose of your business? And why did you start it in the first place? Couldn't answer them. I mean, you know how you can tell when they when they don't know how to answer a question? Because they talk all over themselves and it's not really directed and it's kind of like big picture. Wasn't really anything worth of value that he was explaining to me. All he wanted me to do is do a job. Right. <laughs> he was trying to hire me to do a job. Chris, I heard that you're the guy to go to for these types of things, and I want you to do it. And I'm like, what would you like me to do specifically? Can you be a little bit more direct? I mean, what would you like me to fix? Everything's fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, everything is fucked up. How do you expect me to fix bullshit? It's not going to happen. Right. Like, you got to be specific with me. Tell me what you want me to accomplish. If you're telling me that you want me to increase revenue, that's too broad of a statement. I mean, would you agree? I would. I mean, it goes back to what you asked them in the beginning. You know, why why are you why do why are you even doing this, right? Why are you here? Why are you even doing this? Why are you building a business? Right? So, when when somebody is when you're looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, I want to increase revenue. Why? I, you can keep going back and forth with that all day long. Whatever they tell you, it's kind of like a kid. Kids have it down well, right? They'll ask you why for everything. It's probably the most annoying thing in the world, but it works really well because it makes you start to think about it. Because increasing revenue, and I think we mentioned this on the last call, you know, a lot of people will come and say, here are some strategies. Right? Uh, here are some strategies for you to be able to, to increase revenue today. But what you're doing, Chris, is you're going through and figuring out 
what is what is the change that needs to be make that needs to be made within this culture in order to be able to actually have a productive type of environment or a productive company. Now we're on to something. Culture. Mentioned this a lot in trainings. What's a normal day look like for you guys? Always upbeat because it's in the sales department. And I truly believe this maybe just because I come from sales, but sales departments are heartbeat of the company. Plain and simple. If people are selling and if people are upbeat in sales, that means the company is growing for at least financially. Would you agree? I would. <laughs> you need, you need that's, that's what produces your revenue at the end of the day. Exactly. You know, if I mentioned to you, said, Wes, I need you to go collect 100K, you would go collect 150 just because of the type of person you are. Right. But then again, sometimes it's not really the, the drive or the will that actually separates the good people from the rest. What it separates is people that read a lot of information and try to be able to focus and hone in on their craft to really, you know, maximize their abilities to a high level. But being an effective leader, it goes back to what's your knowledge? I mean, how much knowledge do you can you gain to be able to help people? 85% of successful people read two or three or four self-improvement or educational books per fucking month. Per month. And it's hard to get people to read one every six months. Why is it so difficult? Uh, it, because it takes effort. <laughs> that Because it takes effort, ultimately. The, Think about it this way. If, if you're a leader and you're listening to this, your goal should be that you take in so much information that a salesperson underneath you just needs to listen to you and follow your direction to become like you, right? And to become and, and to perform at the highest level. That should be your goal. That should be your outcome. And if you're a salesperson listening to this, you should be taking in as much information as you possibly can and trying new things and applying it because we can all take information all day long, right? But if you're not using it, it doesn't make a difference. Right? It doesn't, you know, it's, it's all wasted, you know, energy at the end of the day or wasted knowledge. And so apply everything, try everything. And that's why you and I, Chris, as we, you know, have developed our, our sales processes and, and our skill set and all of that over time, it wasn't because of any one thing. It's because we took bits and pieces of many different things and tried many different things and, and you know, got cussed out over the phone a couple of times, right? You know, before I started to learn what's actually going to work for me right? and how can I perform at the highest level. Right. So information, again, the point is information is only as good as it's applied. But as a leader, you need to be taking in information all the time because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. There's no middle ground there. How do you normally deal with people that are angry at you? Like or angry with you? How do you deal with those types of people when you get them on the phone? For me, it's it's keeping my energy level neutral. Right. So if you because people are gonna follow your energy, right? If, if I if they spike, right? So if they spike and now they're up and you jump to their level, you're not gonna get anywhere. Right. So if I start yelling at you as you're already yelling, you know, or asking you what's wrong with you or whatever the case might be, I'm all yeah, I'm only triggering you even more. So I need to diffuse. My main goal needs to be diffused. So I'm going to listen and I'm going to ask thought-provoking questions that's going to allow someone to start having to think more about what they're saying than actually just reacting, right? So, and I'm not going to trigger them, right? So ultimately it's about me keeping my composure and my energy level. And in typical cases, the funny thing is that you'll find when you keep your composure and you keep your energy level uh, neutral, most of the times they can't spike enough to even start getting mad at you, right? Because you're not giving them enough ammunition to do so. So ultimately it's 
what are the words that I'm saying, but what's the tonality that I'm using? Am I being sarcastic, right? Am I sounding like this, right? Or am I sounding like this? And and that's how I'm coming across. And most of the time, that's enough to diffuse the situation. If that's not enough to diffuse the situation, I'm going to say, hey, I think this is not a good time to speak right now. I'd like to call you back at a time where, I, where we might be able to be on the same page. Right. Like who pissed in your cornflakes? Right. You know, like, <laughs> like, like what makes you mad on a Wednesday? But I like to, I mean, sometimes, you know, you see how I diffused it is I'm changing the frame and I'm coming at them in a different way. Everyone has their own style. Everyone everyone has their own style and it depends on, you know, my energy level. It's figuring out how to transfer my positive energy into a negative situation is one of the biggest conundrums of my life because I'm always energetic. I mean, I usually wake up in the morning and I'm usually in a good mood after I'm, you know, gathering my thoughts, (laughs) I guess you would say. Once I get myself into that routine and get my mindset in that geared mode and then once I'm in the zone, it's hard to break me off that. It's like beating me off with a stick. Especially if I'm going to, if I have an outcome in mind where I'm trying to lay down, I don't know, some framework, a dialogue framework to ask connecting questions to be able to get to a point where I'm able to present a solution. And it's kind of hard to beat someone off if you have an outcome in mind. Would you agree? I would. I mean, it sounds like, and a lot of what you're saying, Chris, has a lot to do with preparation. You know, you obviously are someone that reads a lot of books, right? And we're talking to people about taking in information. What does that routine look like for you to ensure that you know you're uh, you know putting yourself in a position to be able to take in that information or read every single day? I talk a lot about you know being obsessed with being able to become better than you were yesterday. One percent, twenty four hours. One percent of twenty four hours is twelve minutes. You don't have twelve fucking minutes. Everyone has twelve minutes if you find it. People always tell me they don't have enough time. I'm too busy. I, I, I'm too busy to read. <laughs> you know, I'm too busy to work on myself. I'm controlled by other people's bullshit. That's what you're controlled by. You know, they, they, they tell me they can't read. Well, books are challenging. I'm like, Wes knows this and now all the listeners will. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I read something, I have to write it down or listen to it. It's everyone tells me. I don't know where to start. I'm like, pick up a fucking book, man. Like, it's not that difficult. I mean, reading improves your decision-making skills. On an average, adults make around, I don't know, 35,000 decisions a day. And I'm talking about in general now. Like, from what you eat, what you wear, what you buy, you know, what you say to people, how you say it. By improving your memory and concentration and your ability to process information, reading can help you avoid making irrational judgment calls, especially in business. But reading will help you make better judgment calls. And the decision-making leads back to your current state, an emotional state. Yeah, of course. And and that's all part of preparation. The part of preparation and being proactive about what you're doing, how you're treating yourself, and then how are you taking in information. Because you can read books all day long, but if you haven't primed your brain, great. And that sounds like exactly what you do, Chris, is you're priming yourself for the day to be able to be proactive in your best self. And now we're in a position where we can actually take in information and, and learn. Ooh, you're touching on something really, really important for myself. Here's the thing, guys, and I hope everyone pays attention to this. Repetition is a true mother skill, Zig Ziglar. And then I also heard that with a Tony Robbins seminar. The more that you do things over and over, the easier it will become. And it sets a new habit or creates a new habit into your life. I'll make an example. Say, for instance, you have two people, 
and they both set out on this journey to gather as much knowledge as they can. One focuses on reading 10 pages of a book three times per week. Then you have another person who reads 10 pages per day. Which one would you say is going to be get ahead and stay ahead of the competition? I'd say the second one. Okay. If I read three times a week, just like going to the gym, if I went to the gym three times a week, am I really going to lose weight? No, but if you went for 10 minutes every single day, you will. Right. But why is, why is that so difficult for other people? I can read 10 pages usually within around 12 minutes. It's because consistency isn't easy, right? It, I can do something from time to time, right? I can pick up a book in three days and then maybe pick up a book and read some more three days later. But me being consistent every single day, that's hard. The same way with going to the gym, the same way with eating healthy, right? In any good habit, consistency is a challenge, right? And, and it comes back to your willpower. So are you consciously doing it every single day? And are you consciously trying to better yourself every single day? Great point. The path to mastery or self-mastery within yourself will take hundreds of thousands of daily decisions. To be able to make the right decisions moving forward, you're going to have to gain knowledge and understanding or having self-awareness of maybe some bad habits that you potentially have. The obsession with fast results tricks you into thinking you can actually achieve the results quickly. We see this a lot, Wes. You also become fixated on the result that you're searching for. It's a go big or go home kind of mentality. So it goes back to my previous statement about having a daily routine that you must commit in order to achieving your goals. It's easy to forget this when you're motivated by the end game. Committing yourself to the grind or the daily grind and avoid chasing the overnight success. So stick to your daily habit changes. Focus on becoming better each day, that 1%. 1% of 24 hours is 12 to 14 minutes. If you utilize those 12 to 14 minutes on yourself, nothing else matters other than that 12 to 14 minutes. That's your time to be able to recreate and define what you really want out of life. And that's through gaining knowledge. Would you agree? I would. And, and the one thing I would add to that as well is, is what you're reading in alignment with where you're trying to grow. Right? Because I can't tell you how many times I see people that will tell me, yeah, I read, you know, they'll tell me about all the books that they've read and, and it's like all over the place. And I'm like, okay, so what did you get out of it? Like you're reading this complicated investment book, for example, right? And you're not investing. So do you think you're going to remember any of this information, right? Or are you actually actively applying it? So if you're a salesperson, Right. Are you actually taking in information about how to be a better salesperson? Right. And, and then who are you taking it in from? So are you taking it in from a credible source? Are you taking it in from someone who has the experience? Or are you taking it in from someone who has the theory? Right. It's, it's much, much different. And so remember that a mentor, for example, isn't just a person that you, you talk to one-on-one. -on -one. A mentor can be many different types of things, really. And one of them is books. And so who are you taking information from? And then one thing to add on to what you're saying, Chris, as well is, are you being proactive in your day uh, to make that time to actually read, right? So this, you have so much time in your day. So, and I don't want to hear, and I hate when people tell me they don't have time. You have so much time in your day to do anything that you really want to do, right? And so, you know, if you have time to get up and go use the bathroom, you have time to read. It's not about having the time, it's about making the time. So I couldn't agree even more because action expresses priorities. No one is too busy in the world. It's all about making the time to dedicate to your future and then trying to figure out what you really need. Needs a key word here. And once you discover that, 
you'll be able to figure out the end game. And figuring out the end game is what you apply to real life situations and where to start. Someone asked me a question one time. It's like, well, Chris, I don't, I don't know what I can do to improve. Give me some examples. What do you think? I was like, I don't know. Focus on being positive. Change your attitude. Learn a new language. Uh, question your purpose. Why are you even here on this earth? Like focus on one day at a time. Don't compare yourself. Automate and delegate everything you do. Like identify your blind spots. What are you not paying attention to? Are you talking about comfort zone? <laughs> it's like comfort zone. I mean, like, yeah, I hate it. See, here's the thing about comfort zones. And this is another point. I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that it went in here. People think that you need to get out of your comfort zone. I can't see how many people on social media today and they post this dumb shit about comfort zone and because they, they feel safe and in control. There's three other zones that people don't understand. There's the fear zone, people finding excuses, lack of self-confidence, you know, like being affected by others' opinions. The learning zone, that people that deal with challenges and problems every day, acquiring new skills and extending that comfort zone. And then there's finally the growth zone. Find your fucking purpose, live your dreams, set new goals, conquer every objective you can think of. This is what you're trying to really grow towards. Why is it so hard for people to understand there's there's multiple zones? Because people only people only take in what they hear, right? They, they again it goes back to if you're actively seeking information, right? You would understand this. Uh, and the one thing is, here's what I do: is my main goal with anything that's uncomfortable is to make it comfortable. I, so if if I'm uncomfortable public speaking, well, I know for a fact that if I go out there and I do it three, four, five times, I'm going to get more comfortable with it every single time. I, same thing with consistency. If I read books every single day for three weeks, I'm going to continue that habit. Right? So how are you consciously creating those habits for yourself? And yeah, if you are, you know, whether it's the fear zone or the growth zone, or anything, it all takes conscious effort and you are going to be uncomfortable. Right? And that's just, that's just the name of the game. But are you comfortable being uncomfortable? Right? So and that that is going back to our last episode that's a mindset of its own and that's a limiting belief of its right. own entrepreneurs struggle with this a lot and i truly believe that the best entrepreneurs come from salespeople or finance people i mean the statistics will prove it just google the shit if you're listening to this but every entrepreneur should avoid but you know caring about others opinions that's the first thing you know listening to too many gurus we can always find those you know especially online not believing in yourself, not taking the right actions, you know, surround yourself with fools, you know, because birds do flock together. I did learn that the hard way, you know, not creating goals and to-do list, being over, you know, overly skeptical at all times, you know, having distractions in your life. It's not growing in all the areas of your life. Find something you're, you enjoy doing. And hopefully that's a thing that people hate doing and you'll become rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, if you really want to become wealthy, find something that no one wants to do and become great at it. Is that a good piece of advice for a new entrepreneur? That's a great, great piece of advice. If something is too easy, then just under, just know it's not worth doing. First of all, audit truly where you are, right? And a lot of people, they get so sucked into their emotions, right? You get so sucked into your emotions and, and I'm not going to downplay this at all because it's tough when you're in that point, you're at that point and I've been there, we've all been there it's hard to see things any other way. And so one audit truly where you are and realistically where you want to be. 
and start objectively looking at how can you get yourself there, right? Sometimes you really got to try and it's really hard, but you got to try to pull the emotion out of it. Right? You can't just think about, oh, woe is me or, or, you know, I'm not good enough or I can't, you know what? You got to get sometimes like for me, sometimes I'm like, I just got to get, I got to get angry about this situation where I'm at. And I got to say, I am good enough and I can do better. I know I can do better. Right. And, and just go out there and do it. That's really what I'll tell you. Sometimes you have to just force yourself to go out there and do it. And you'll see how you're, you'll start to change over time. So audit where you are, look at it objectively, take, take the lens out of yourself for a second and look at yourself from another view. So act like you were somebody else. So if your name is John, act like there's a David somewhere, right? And he is, he is in the exact same place in which you are and say, what would I say to that person to help them? And then give yourself that advice and start moving forward. Right. People sometimes, and that's a great advice, what you're saying. I've met, I've read a book, um, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Have you read that book? That's a great book. You have to, it goes, there's things that you have to do to unfuck yourself. Number one is stop playing the fucking victim. You are not the victim. That's a choice, by the way. If you're looking at things like you're the victim, you're submitting already. Stop blaming others for your circumstances. Like, stop being a bitch. Like, own it. Stop calling successful people lucky. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a hard one for people. I get this message all the time. You're lucky. Fuck you. I'm lucky. You don't know what I've had to overcome. Like, I haven't seen you in 10 years, man. You know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Or man the woman up. <laughs> you know, the woman, the woman up. Like, own it. You got to own this shit, man. I mean, that's discipline. That's what separates the good from, you know, the great people from the weak people is that they're not going to sit there and listen to this bullshit for so long. I mean, I know we're going to get off topic here and we're talking about framework and going into it, but we're talking about everything you need to do. A lot of people tell me that I don't have the time to work on myself as much as I need to, but it goes right into how you frame your fucking day. How are you going to supposed to frame a phone call if you can't frame your day? It's mind-blowing to me that people would rather sit and watch Netflix or some reality TV bullshit instead of exploring something new or trying to improve their life in some area. Yeah. Completely knocks my head off. And, and it goes right back to the fact that when you, for a salesperson, when you're looking at it from, oh, the, the lead quality is bad, right? We're going back to that. The lead quality is bad or, or uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not getting good leads today. Have you actually taken the time to hold yourself accountable? Right. right. And are you, and we're, I know we're talking about all these different areas of life at this point, but it all goes back to the same thing. And it's you becoming your best self. Right. And there's nobody I hold more accountable than myself. Right. And I talk so much shit to myself. It's, it's unbelievable. Right. I'm a very positive person, but I talk a lot of shit to myself because when I find myself starting to, to go into that victim role or starting to feel bad for myself, it's almost like I slap myself and say, wake up. All right, this isn't who you are. Well, stop acting like a bitch, right? I mean, and that is, you know, the difference between great and weak. It's not because you can't have weak moments. Everybody has weak moments, but it's about about what are you going to do when that time strikes? Are you going to fold or are you going to break past that and say, I'm a fucking winner? That's a great point. You have someone as an overthinker or thinks about things and you have someone as just a fucking doer. I guarantee you, and I hope that, People don't get offended with my next comment, but people that are thinking about things have a tendency to procrastinate and they're going to always be in an employee type of mindset. That means you're always going to work for an asshole like me. Always. People that are doers, they're going to take the role 
because they're looking for more responsibility. They're, they're striving for excellence in everything they do. If you want to be a great salesperson, I'll give you a piece of advice. One of the most valuable traits a salesperson can possess is the ability to easily strike up a conversation with anyone. I'm talking about anyone, Wes. Anyone. Subway, coffee shop, I don't give a shit. Have a method for starting a conversation with random strangers as an asset that sets the best apart from the rest of the motherfuckers that people call themselves salespeople. Remember, it goes back to my previous statement right at the beginning of this podcast. They are getting hung up on on the phone. They don't have framework. They don't know what they're doing. They're saying, oh, these bad leads, man, are bad leads. That means you are not paralleling. That's the easiest way of communication, in my opinion. Parallel. What is paralleling? Help these people. Well, uh, well, first, I mean, I'll get to that in just one second, Chris, but I want to say stop being scared of people. I just want to add that real quick from what you said. Stop being scared of people. People are people just like you. But going back to what you're saying, Chris, find common ground. Find common ground and take the conversation in the way that that person is going to be interested. Right. Right. So I was, a, I was at a coffee shop the other day. funny that you say that. And there was this lady sitting there. She was knitting. And so she's sitting there doing that. And I see this like maybe 70-year-old lady just comes straight to her, looks at her and says, wow, that is what you're making there is really cool. And and they just start striking up this conversation, right? And then the the seven year old lady is telling the other lady is, you know, about her experiences and what she's doing, and they find common ground. And the next thing, the lady's whipping out her phone, showing her the different things that she's made, right? And she's engaged and really interested in the conversation. Right? So you, as a salesperson, you're doing the same thing that this. If this seven year old lady can do it, what's stopping you, right, from being able to find true interest, find true interest in someone? Now, if you don't actually care then that's a whole nother story. But if you have to actually be interested in what that person is telling you in order for you to be able to strike up a true conversation, right? And keep it going naturally. And so if it doesn't come natural, if it's coming forced, you're probably not doing something right, right? So find common ground and take that conversation in a way that that person is going to stay engaged because they're actually genuinely interested in what you're talking right. about. That's a huge point. We do this without even thinking about it. Daniel H. Pink, another fucking book. Imagine that. To sell as human. See, another, another one of my points, books, motherfuckers, books, read a book. One of the easiest things to do is when we do this subconsciously or consciously all day, even if you know you're doing it or you're not, is that we sell all day long, all day long. We're selling. I mean, it, I mean you got to create a bond that builds trust with them quickly. Any person you're talking to Dale Carnegie said to be interesting, you have to be interested. So, but there's a huge warning here. There's a way to screw this to fuck up. The item or attribute you are paralleling needs to be something you generally like or be interested in in a common ground like Wes is talking about. You can't walk up to someone and you hate dogs and start talking about dogs because you don't know enough about dogs to have a conversation. So people are going to know you're full of shit. So just goes back to my point about framework. And if I asked a question, and this question I started this conversation off with, the three questions that I asked that CEO, the three questions, do you remember what they were? Hope everyone's paying attention. Why are you in this role? Why did you start this business? What is the purpose behind it? Simple questions. I don't know why they get overlooked by the... Maybe it's just that they put too much, I don't know, want and too much pressure on themselves to be successful. They, they let themselves get caught up in their own emotions or maybe trying to prove to other people that they can do sales. Sales is the easiest thing to do. Easiest thing to do. Because we all do it. 
without realizing it. Why is it so hard for people to understand it just by having a normal conversation, Wes? Uh, they get caught up in their own, and what I, I call desperation, right? It's when you're only thinking about the sale and thinking about, so a normal salesperson is going to think about the sale and the commission that comes from the sale and what's going to happen after the sale, right? And there are all these different things that they don't, they're so far into the future and, and filling themselves with so much anxiety about the outcome that they're forgetting about where they are in the moment. Right? The outcome, you have the outcome in mind, but you don't obsess over the outcome. Right? You, you steer it towards the outcome, but live in the moment with that person and just have the intention of getting it to the outcome. Right? And so when, you have, when I'm striking up a conversation with someone, I'm going to genuinely listen. I'm, I may do an entire call with somebody, and up until the last five minutes, I have talked about nothing that had to do with what I'm even on the phone with them about. Right, but the last five minutes is so impactful that I didn't need the other twenty-five. Right, I just needed. I got the. I got it to the outcome that I was searching for just by going through that entire process with somebody. And that person had built a lot of trust and a lot of rapport for me throughout that process uh, because of the fact that I sat there and listened, engaged in them in regular conversation, and just found the different triggers or ways within the conversation to take it to the outcome that I was searching for. I'm sure that everyone understands and sees the simplicity in that solution. And if you don't, it's okay. A lot of people don't see the simplicity. They don't understand how simple sales can be. You're making it too difficult for yourself. I mean, it could be for a number of reasons. Maybe they don't understand the metrics of the business, book of business. They don't understand some of the you know key performing indicators that their director or their sales manager or leader is setting out for them and their quotas. And why is it so important for not just yourself to hit your goals, but in also what you're doing for each student and for what it does for the company. You got to think this for all the different internal parts and the external parts as well. And this is a huge learning point for a new sales manager or a leader. If you're able to communicate properly with everyone involved with you hitting your goals or being successful that quarter, monthly, start, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're setting out to do as a new manager or new leader, you have to be able to drive your message all the way down to the bottom and all the way back up to the top. Explain all the areas of what is important for all your sales members to accomplish. This completely ties into my point about why sales managers or leaders get frustrated when all their prospective buyers are hanging at the phones of their salespeople. It's because of what the salesperson is not doing. That simple. And it also ties back into what you're not doing and having enough knowledge to help them. That's your job. Help them be successful. And it all starts with you being able to communicate the message and teaching them from the framework. I don't want to go into a rant here, but it's important for everyone to understand that communication is key. And effective communication rolls down through your team it rolls over into the prospective buyer's phone calls. And if your salesperson is able to communicate the message over to the buyer, then you're gonna create a lifelong client. Isn't that the biggest picture of all? That is the goal for every single company is turning your customer into a lifelong client. This is not easily done. It's the highest level of sales in my opinion. It's the core of selling. What Wes and I are gonna do for you on our next episode is tie all this back in and lay down the framework and how to frame your questions on the script or whatever your company is trying to accomplish. I can give a shit what script it is. I could teach anyone to be able to frame their questions properly. So why is it important to frame your questions? 
because it provides clarity and it will gain more rapport for you to gain more trust. Imagine that. Can you imagine what it would feel like if you're able to sit down with every prospective person on the phone and be able to communicate a clear message over for them and identifying different areas of opportunities for them to make the right decision based off of what they want to accomplish, not what you're trying to sell them, but it just so happens to be the only solution is your product and service. Well, I'm going to teach you. But what I would like for you to do for me is prepare yourself for the next episode. Think about all the questions, comments, concerns you may have with listening to today's episode. And then also gather enough information you're going to need to be able to prepare yourself for what's coming up. There's tons of information out there, guys. Tons of information on how to sell, what to sell, how to look, all the different types of techniques. Be careful on the knowledge you're trying to gain. You get too tied up into the traditional way of selling, you're going to be way behind the eight ball when we start diving into the core selling, the win-win. Why is that so important? Because it focuses on the most important relationship, the buyer-seller. Imagine that. Wes, where can they find more information on this and how can they prepare themselves for the next episode? Information's everywhere. And it's a pretty amazing concept to me is the fact that we can get this information from thousands of years of trials and tribulations and we can use what's really working in the in immediately, right? We don't have to wonder, right? This actually worked for somebody. If I do the same thing, I'm probably going to get, a, if I get anywhere uh, of a similar result, that's an amazing, amazing thing. And so, right, and then you're learning from that. The same thing comes with books, you know, books, articles, you know, podcasts, um, you know, documentaries, anything you can get your hands on that is in alignment with what you're trying to do. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, I can't even stress how how lucky we are that we have an opportunity to do that. Awesome. Great job, Wes. I appreciate you being here on today's episode of the Win-Win Effect podcast. It's been great, guys. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Let's go win our day. Take care. taking your time and listening to today's podcast of the win-win effect as a thank you for listening and tuning in chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success in success it's all about living a better quality of life so at the very least subscribe to the win-win effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.